0: Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started.
1: Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we believe what Dr. Dustin Binge recently wrote. One of the main reasons for error in theology is the desire to say something new. Yep, Yep. I love this one. (laughs) (laughs) And here at Kitchen Table Theology, rather than trying to say new things, we are seeking to help you understand the old things, the things of truth, the things of scripture. By not adding to it, or taking away from it. And as we begin another podcast, we want to say thank you for leaving us ratings and reviews. One recent review comes in from Neeser72. We hope we're saying that correct, Mr. or Mrs. Neeser.
2: We have no idea.
1: (laughs) But they write, I was doing a search of podcasts using the word eschatology. Heaven knows that people are looking for eschatology. They are. Yeah. and I found Kitchen Table Theology I'm learning so much from the few episodes I've listened to and I look forward to going back and listening to them all the presentation of the information is easy to understand Descending. without being condescending there you go we probably
2: do have some conversation. <laughs> I hope we on don't that. have some
1: condescension. <laughs> but Nieser 72 shares that they will definitely be as we always encourage you to do sharing Kitchen Table Theology podcast with their friends that's so nice that's the best review you yeah. can get when somebody yeah. says they're going to be sharing it with friends Mm -hmm. so thank you so much for leaving that review and kitchen table theologians if you haven't left a rating review please go ahead and do so from whatever platform you're listening from right now well maybe not right now maybe finish this episode or hit pause that's Mm -hmm. possible too we deeply appreciate those as it helps us reach more and more people because so many of you have already done that we have now reached a total of almost thirty four thousand downloads they said it wouldn't last. They said we couldn't do it, but it thrills us to know that kitchen table theology is helping so many people.
2: I'm just surprised that we've been able to stand each other this long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I might be running. We might be running out
2: for <laughs> seeing light at the end of the tunnel. No, it's been great. And yeah, thank you so much for the encouragement and the, the reviews and, and so forth. So that's been great. And it's very encouraging to Jen and I. And we, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. We do.
1: Well, hey, let's go ahead and dive in today. Dr. Cranston, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we're currently looking at a number of things that instantaneously occur in the life of the believer at the moment of salvation. So, Pastor Jeff, what are we looking at today? Well, Jen, today we'll look
2: at a part of something that occurs in the believer's life, as you said, the moment of salvation, and something we'll just call freedom from the law. And we're going to use two or three scripture texts as our foundation from Romans and Galatians. And so we thought to kick it off, Jen would just read those three passages. They're quite short. One of them, first one's just one, one verse. So how about reading those for us? And that, that'll kind of lay a foundation for where we're going to go.
1: Sure. Well, the first one is from Romans six fourteen, and it says, mm-hmm. for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And the second is from Romans as well, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And lastly, Galatians 5:1 through 4 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again yourselves to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ and you are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Well, I suppose, Pastor Jeff, that we should start, perhaps start with understanding what in the world is Paul talking about <laughs> as he refers to the law so that we can understand what we're actually free that's from. A, that's a really good idea. And, and it's
2: not just Paul who talks about the law. When the Bible speaks of the law, it refers to the detailed standard that God gave to Moses up there on top of the mountain, beginning in Exodus 20 kitchen table theologian with what does Exodus 20 contain the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. So God's law explained His requirements for a holy people and included three categories. The law included a civil category, a ceremonial category, and then a moral category. So you had civil, ceremonial, and moral laws. So the law, as God gave it, was was given to us to separate God's people from the evil nations around them. And I think that's really important to understand. You take it all into context. So the law was given to separate God's people from the evil nations that surrounded them and to define sin. So the law also clearly demonstrated that no human being could purify himself or herself enough to please God. So in the grand scheme of things, the law revealed our need for a Savior.
1: So does this all then fit into what we find in the New Testament? Because we read about what the religious leaders of Jesus' day did with the various laws. So you have to wonder how far removed that was from what and why God originally gave us the law.
2: Yeah, most things when they start out centuries later, they're going to be quite different. Mm. And the law had not changed, but the application and interpretation of Mm. the law changed. Mm -hmm. And I think what we see is that by New Testament times, the religious leaders, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees had really kind of hijacked the law mm-hmm. and added to it their own rules and traditions. And actually Jesus said to the Pharisees in Mark seven, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish Your tradition. Mm. So if that doesn't say it, I don't. I don't know what does. So while the law itself was good, it was weak in that it lacked the power to change a sinful heart. And according to and interpreted by the Pharisees, keeping the law had become this oppressive and overwhelming
1: burden. And Jesus rolls up on all of that and he calls them out on it. And speaking of Jesus, never really had a lot of really positive things to say about those Pharisees, did he?
2: Yeah, Jesus was not really into
1: legalism, that's for for Mm
2: -hmm. sure. You know, and for example, in Luke 11, he said something, and this is, I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he said something along the lines of, you hopeless religious scholars. Mm. You know, they, they, they had turned it into this whole thing. Now they're religious scholars. He basically said, look, you load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but you never lift even a finger to help them.
1: Hmm. So when Jesus came to Earth and when he entered his public ministry, he stepped into quite the religious climate, filled with hypocrites, these arbiters of the law, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So men who were crushing their own people with rules and regulations, so I find it pretty ironic that into their midst walks the very lawgiver, yeah. himself, and there's this juxtaposition to, yeah. yeah,
2: what they were doing. Every second of the day. And these people's lives was dictated by the law and how they interpreted it. Mm-hmm. And as you say, the lawgiver walks in, mm-hmm. shows up. So what do you do with that? And he said to them, don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets, because they were kind of, that's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to give us all this new stuff. Mm-hmm. But he says, don't think I've come to abol- abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. So, you see, the law was not evil. It served as a mirror, and it reflected the condition of a person's heart. In, in John 1.17, the Bible says, For the law was given through Moses, which you know we know that up on Mount Sinai. And then it says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hmm. Law through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus. So Jesus embodied the perfect balance
1: between grace and the law. Oh, grace. (laughs) Amazing grace. So now we bring in another aspect of the law that points us to our need of God's grace.
2: Yeah, really, the law, one of the things it does, it points us to our need for a Savior. It points us to a need for grace. And that's absolutely right. God has always been full of grace. I mean, grace is one of the characteristics of God. And people has have always been saved by faith in God, all the way back to Genesis. God didn't change between the Old and New Testaments. And I hear that from time to time. Well, the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. Mm. Uh, No, Mm. not in any way, shape, or form. The same God who gave the law also gave Jesus. So now watch this. His grace was demonstrated through the law by providing a sacrificial system to cover sin. Mm -hmm. So the law points out all of our sinfulness, all of our waywardness, and then God says, okay, to help you deal with that and to be able to uh, commune with me, I'm going to provide the sacrificial system, which is going to cover your sin. And then Jesus himself, Paul tells us in Galatians 4, Jesus was born under the law under the law, and became the final sacrifice to bring the law to fulfillment and establish the new covenant. You know, you, when you think of the cross, was the cross, among other things, it was a, a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they were still under the law, so there needed to be a sacrifice for sin. So without the law, there wouldn't have been the cross. Mm-hmm. But once that happened, the sacrificial system was done. It was over. And he established, therefore, then the new covenant.
1: Well, I know you you love word studies. We've talked a lot about word studies here, and I love even just looking back in the Old Testament, looking at Hebrew words for grace. They're pretty limited. It's it's mm-hmm. favor, it's you know, kind of a watching over, but then you get into the Greek for grace in the New Testament and all of a sudden now you have a fullness to that right. because inner yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, but you know, we both shared on here that we've grown up in the church and I know that we've been around long enough to know that <laughs> there are some people that really love those rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Are they just so opposed to grace that they just want this like set structure to that?
2: I often wonder that. It does seem like people, they'll sing about amazing grace, mm-hmm. but they'll lay all of these rules and regulations. I grew up in that a little bit, and, and you did too. And I, they're still around. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. they are still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to wear your hair like this. You can't wear this, you can't have that. There's a lot of rules and regulations. and some Certain of these
1: postures are, to worship that you can and cannot take. I grew up in that culture.
2: <laughs> yeah. Don't raise your hands unless you have a question. Well,
1: you could raise your hand to outwardly testify, but if you started to turn, <laughs> turn that hand to welcome anything, then yeah, blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. The, well,
2: I think there have been people like that since forever. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees prove it, right? Here's the, the thing. That... People that tend to be like that, and I don't want this to sound judgmental, but I'm just making an observation. People that lean into that. People that lean into hard, strict, fundamentalistic lifestyles mm-hmm. that, you know, let's just bring it into American Christianity. They're, I don't even have to drive 15 minutes. I could take you to a church like that here. Mm-hmm. Women don't wear pants, women wear dresses, women Mm -hmm. don't wear makeup, women have long hair, men have short hair, men wear suits, men Mm -hmm. do this, women do that, and it's very but it's it's very cultural. Mm -hmm. And there's I'm not saying anything there's wrong with that, but when you tie that into your salvation and the acceptance of the church Mm -hmm. to you, I mean there's there's places if I walked in what I wear at Low Country Community Church on Sunday. I wouldn't be kicked out, but there would be side – get side-eye. <laughs> you get a lot of side-eye. I eye.
1: still remember. I grew up in a church that was maybe three miles from the beach, and I still remember the look on my nanny's face the day that the man walked in and flip-flops. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're just happy here if people have shoes on. But what I, the point I was going to make was that that leads to self-righteousness. Okay, I'm doing it the right way and you're not maintaining the standard that I think is right. So that's that's what self-righteousness is. So the conflict between Jesus and the self-righteous people immediately arose when he showed mm-hmm. up. Uh, many who had lived so long under the Pharisees, pretty oppressive system, eagerly embraced the, the mercy and the grace and the freedom that Christ offered. And the Gospel of Mark relates to us in, in uh, chapter 2 that it says this, many irreligious Jews... And people who did not obey the pharisaical interpretations of the law were dining with Jesus. Mm. And the end of that verse says, and there were many who followed him. So these people were living in that culture, but they're like, man, this is not, they were irreligious Jews. And then other people who said, okay, I'm a Jew and I'm worshiping being God, but I can't buy into the way the Pharisees are saying that this is the way this whole thing works. Mm-hmm. And here comes Christ, freedom, grace, mercy. That wasn't really known, mm-hmm. you know, a whole lot in that culture. And mm-hmm. there were many who
1: followed him. Mm. Well, let me go into a mode of, <laughs> we're going to play devil's advocate for a second. <laughs> Wait, no, we're not going to play. The devil doesn't need an advocate, yet. You, you, oh, you, you know, you- it's just the hey, phrase. be a Pharisee. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be a Pharisee. Oh, against everything <laughs> I, I possibly can. I'm trying to shake it off. Would not this new demonstration of grace that, along comes Jesus, he brings to the people, would that be considered dangerous? Because then are you kind of giving that person, not necessarily free reign, but you're giving them the ability to kind of push off some of this restraint that they've been under, at least from a moral perspective. And and they could just go crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, that's a good point. That's exactly... It's exactly what Paul addressed in Romans 6. So, uh, Romans 6,
1: 1 and 2. How about reading that one for us? Sure. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer?
2: So right there, Paul's clarifying what Jesus had taught. The law shows us what God wants, and that's holiness. And grace gives us the desire and power to be holy. So rather than grace enacting in us this uh, willfulness to just go out and live a morally unrestrained life, the grace that the Spirit gives us, gives us the desire and the power to pursue holiness. That's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. So rather than trust in the law to save us, we trust in Christ. We're freed from that bondage of the law by his once-for-all sacrifice. And once you have a proper understanding of that, you see there really is no conflict between grace and the law. Christ fulfilled the law on our behalf and offers the power of the Holy Spirit. Who motivates then, he motivates a regenerated heart that we have at salvation to live in obedience to him. James said this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So grace has the power to save that. Therefore, it also has the power to motivate a sinful heart toward godliness. Where there was no impulse to be godly before, there is now saving faith
1: and i think one element that it gives is it it takes away that idea of checking boxes if i just follow Mm -hmm. this law i just do this yeah if i take this on whereas grace comes in and says no you don't have to do anything because he's done the work and what's the one common
2: denominator in what you've just said that's problematic i i i yeah (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and and so i get that so But if the purpose of the law was grace in the first place, why didn't God just start with that and skip all of this other stuff?
2: seems like that would have been a whole lot easier. (laughs) Well, the purpose of the law basically was to bring us to Christ. Hmm. Remember, the purpose of the law is to point out our sin. We needed something that we could see that was God's standard so that we would know, I can't meet this. Hmm. I need Mm -hmm. help. I've got to do something with what God calls sin. And it, it needs to be taken care of. It needs to be dealt with. So in Galatians 3, Paul says the law was our guardian until Christ came. I don't think many people ever read that. You, mm-hmm. you think of the law as this bad thing. Like it's heavy. It's it's like a, a, my head's on the block and the law is the uh, that giant sword that's going to come mm-hmm. down and lob my head off. And no, wait a minute. It's our guardian. Mm. until Christ came. And once we are saved, God desires to glorify himself then through our good works. So good works follow salvation. Where does the initiative to do good works, which I wasn't doing before, Mm -hmm. where does that come from? Grace. And grace comes because we knew the law Mm -hmm. and it it led us to Christ.
1: But I still feel like it's something that that can be a struggle sometimes mm-hmm. because I think so many Absolutely. Christians are still trying to do things yep. because they feel like they have to or they feel like they they're going to do these things to bring them into deeper relationship mm-hmm. into God's acceptance or uh, the other motivation that I wonder about sometimes is, well, I'm following the law. So clearly I'm better than her and him self-righteousness and, and this. And so yeah. then but if you're saying here that it's, or
2: if I might, yes, excuse me. The other thing that we sometimes say is, well, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm way better than him. I'm way better than her.
1: As long as you're not dead last, right? Yeah, as long as you're not dead last, you're good. You know, I don't want to brag, but in the seventh grade, I ran a 13-minute mile, but I still wasn't the last one on the bus. I still wasn't the last one on the bus. I wasn't getting the President's Award for Physical (laughs) Fitness that year, but I still wasn't the last one.
2: Most people can walk a mile in 13 minutes. Oh, it was rough. You were just uh, shuffling it was along. A,
1: oh, it was, a, it was a rough time in the life. Jen. So what,
2: I'm sorry. I'm, what was the point? <laughs> as long as oh, you're I... not last. Oh, okay. okay. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you, you weren't last? But let's get back to this. So <laughs> we feel like we need to do these things to bring us into kind of a deeper relationship or God's mm-hmm. acceptance, his mm-hmm. love. But what we're saying here is that by not doing it, by living by scripture alone, through grace alone and faith alone in Christ alone and to God. The glory of God alone—that's the path that He desires for us because He loves us.
2: Jen, you've just summed up the entire Reformation. That's the five solas of the Reformation. I am a scholar. Yeah. Well, you remember what Jesus said to the <laughs> religious scholar. So you're stop <laughs> being so <laughs> scholarish. What was it? Scholarish. Scholarish. I think you're no longer yes. scholar. Okay, By the use of that word. <laughs> yeah, but you, you make an excellent point that. The website gotquestions.org says that the conflict between grace and the law can arise in five different ways. We'll finish with this. You misunderstand the purpose of the law, so that can mess you up. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you redefine grace as something other than God's benevolence or God's mercy on the undeserving. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. And you go, no, that's what it's not thirdly you try to earn your own salvation or what you're just talking about there supplement and i think that's a great word we mm-hmm. oh i understand jesus died on the cross for me and my sins are forgiven but i need to i feel like i need to supplement that mm-hmm. by s- the stuff that i do it's a little extra well
1: it's throwing a little yeah, extra <laughs> we're just covering
2: all of our bases yeah. right fourthly you follow the era of the pharisees by tacking man-made rituals and traditions Onto the biblical doctrine, which we've just talked about. And then lastly, you fail to focus on the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees were really good at nitpicking stuff. You know, they they would find one law and they would extrapolate it into all kinds of crazy stuff. And they failed to see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So as far as good works in the believer's life goes they're not for our salvation. They are rooted, or should be, Mm -hmm. in the beauty of a grace that produces good works. So our podcast today was about freedom from the law. What does that freedom look like? It's called grace, and it's grace that produces holiness and good works in us, totally separate from earning our salvation. Instantaneously, at the moment of salvation, we are free from the law and all of its tentacles, And we're brought into right standing before Almighty God through the grace that only Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. brings.
1: And I like that because it flips the script. You know, it's as you just said, the beauty of grace that produces good works, not the other way around. Right. The the good works that earn you grace. Well said. So well, what a great session today. I feel I say session because I feel like sometimes it's like a therapy session. I do too. It's like working some things out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we hope it's the same. (laughs) We hope it's the same for you. And again, we want to say thank you. Thank you again to Nicer 72. And as always, to all of you for listening to Kitchen Table Theology. Please do subscribe at Apple Podcast or whatever platform you're listening from if you like the show. And don't forget to rate or leave us a review. Also, check out today's episode notes for more exploration of your faith in the truth. And head on over to JeffCranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, sermons, leadership notes and blog posts. And Lord willing, next week we'll be back with another great episode. So there it is. Now go out, go deeper. And until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it.
0: You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.